Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. The world quotes Jesus extensively, but they don't bow to him. They, they don't realize who he actually is. God himself. When you perceive Jesus, do you in your soul perceive God in flesh? Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. I'm Tim Svoboda. Understanding the Trinity can be challenging. Even the Apostle Paul had a hard time grasping the concept, and they had Jesus with them. Today, Pastor Steve guides us to the upper room, where Jesus sheds light on the inseparable connection between himself and the Father. It's the second part of a message called, See Jesus, See the Father. It's from the Upper Room series. Remember, you can always listen online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve. The Trinity. For 2,000 years, we have scratched our heads about it, tried to understand it. This sermon is not going to resolve all of the issues. And if I get done here and you're like, I didn't understand that at all. I didn't get your sermon at all. I'll say, there was a good sermon then. Here's the text. And I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of John 14. Okay, we've been working through this here for a little while. But uh, always good to just get the flow of the whole thing. So John 14 Verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father." Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The core of our text here has to do with who is Jesus. And Jesus says that he is of the same nature as God the Father. And then we come to find out that the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus, did you hear the W's, are actually the same as the words of the Father and the works of the Father. And we begin with what he starts with, Jesus that is, and that is, who is he? 
Who is Jesus? Look at verse seven. So we might look at this and say, okay, Jesus is saying that he's the father, I'm the son. I resemble the father. If you've seen me, you've seen my dad. Like if you know me, it's kind of like you know my dad because I resemble my dad so much. And if we were to say that, we would be wrong. He is not saying I resemble my father. What he is saying is much more profound than that. So here comes Philip now. Not a lot known about Philip, but here he very boldly speaks up in the upper room. In verse eight, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Now the the NLT gives the sense of this where it translates it, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Philip asks Jesus to see God. And both of these questions reflect the deepest longings of the human heart. How do I behold God? Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? This challenging statement, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I want you to think about this with me. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Jesus says, you're not getting it here. You do not realize who I am. In what way? Okay. In what way does Philip not realize who Jesus is? And I would say it's certainly not on the humanity side. Why? I would say having a human being wash your feet, feeling his being in proximity to him like that, has a way of you sort of getting the humanity side of Jesus. What he fails to realize is the point that Jesus is admonishing him about, which is that Jesus is in such unity with God the Father, it allows Jesus to say, if you've seen me, You've seen him. And Philip can't get it either. Like, he just is, what are you talking about? He doesn't realize that the one who is reclining at that dinner table with him is God himself. To quote one guy, if you have not seen God in him, you have not got to the heart of the mystery. The knowledge of Christ which stops with the man and the martyr and the teacher and the beautiful gentle brother is knowledge so partial that even he cannot venture to call it other than ignorance. Speaking of Philip, what does that mean? We live in a world, all the religions of the world admire Jesus. Probably your neighbors admire Jesus in one way or the other. There are many churches who preach a kind of Jesus where he is an inspiring figure. He is a great moral teacher. He is a a, uh, a leader and lover of humanity. He died on the cross to show us what love is. And on and on they go. The world quotes Jesus extensively. But they don't bow to him. They, They don't realize who he actually is. 
God himself. And how many people are going to miss the saving gospel of Jesus, not because they miss the fact that he was human, but like Philip, they miss the fact that he is God, one with the Father, such that if you know Jesus, you know the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is God himself. So today I can say, I'm sure you think Jesus to be unique, remarkable, a wonderful person, a great teacher. But the test is this. When you perceive Jesus, do you in your soul perceive God in flesh? And the difference between those two is heaven and hell. So W, who is Jesus? One with the Father. Jesus goes on now to talk about the words of Jesus are actually the words of the Father. And the works of Jesus are the works of the Father. Look at verse 10. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, that's a lot of W's. Did you catch that, everybody? Who is Jesus? One with the Father. The words and the works of Jesus. One thing is you read through John that John often does quoting Jesus is he uses the miracles of Jesus as self-authenticating of the claims to deity that Jesus makes. So he, you know, he says, I'm the, the, you know, the bread of life, and then he feeds the 5,000, and I'm the resurrection of life, and then he raises Lazarus from the dead. There is this connection between the claims of Jesus and the works of Jesus, the words of Jesus and and the works of Jesus. And here Jesus says it a little differently. He says, my words flow from my oneness with the Father. My works and miracles flow from my oneness with the Father, such that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And this is confusing, I know. The theologians, when they talk about this, they talk about the economy of the Trinity, Okay? This is not a matter of like goods and, and services rendered. It is more, how does the Trinity relate to itself? How does the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, how do, they, how do they function within the Godhead? And Jesus gives us some glimpse into that here. And what he is emphasizing is the oneness of the Trinity. And that means that every member of the Trinity does not act independent of the other members of the Trinity. It's not like the Father does this one thing all by himself, or one day goes, you know what, I think I'm going to... No, they are in such unity that what they do, they, they do together. It just comes to me, I don't know if this is good theology, but the three musketeers were, you know, all for one and one for all. What we do, we do it together. We all have a part in this. He describes this elsewhere. This is John 5. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Now I'm going to pause right here for a moment and ask you, what are you thinking about right now? I want you to honestly look into your brain. What are you thinking about right now? Because the temptation is going to be, 
at this point for you to check out and to say, this is all confusing. I want to think about something else. And you're thinking about the rest of your day. You're thinking about your week. And what I want you to realize, what we're talking about here, heaven itself marvels at. The angels long to look into and to understand what we're talking about. So dial in with me here. It's going to be worth it. Okay? It's going to be worth it. Here uh, now, we see that seeing and knowing Jesus is seeing and knowing the Father. The oneness that Jesus has with the Father is such that when he speaks, it is perfectly aligned with the will of the Father. So that what he says, in a way, is what the Father is saying. The miracles he does and the works that he does are so perfectly unified, aligned with the will of the Father, that when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that was, in a sense, a miracle that the Father did. They are in absolute unity with one another. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Continuing the W theme, what will we do? So what will we do? This is a challenging statement that Jesus makes because he says, you're gonna do greater things than I do. Have you ever read that and wondered? I'm not sure I've ever done anything greater than what Jesus did. What is he talking about here? And I was actually happy to study this this week because I've been curious as to what that meant as well. And I got to go quickly here, but don't take this to mean that you and I are going to do more spectacular miracles than Jesus did. Because I can't even imagine something more spectacular than what Jesus did. If you think about the miracles that he did, he is not saying that our, what we will do is greater than what he did in isolation. What he is saying here is that after he ascends to the Father, you disciples, what you are going to do and through you, what the church is going to do around the world is greater than, in scope and scale, than any singular miracle that I have done. You say, well, how, how is what we're doing greater? Well, what are we doing? We are making disciples of all nations. We are sharing the gospel, the saving message of Jesus Christ to absolutely as many people as we possibly can. This ministry that we are doing is personal, it is corporate, and it is global. All nations. And we're on mission for that. So the scale of what the disciples and us as well will do is far greater. I mean, what, what is greater? Seeing a blind man see or seeing South America reach with the gospel? What is greater, calming a storm or millions of Chinese currently coming to faith in Jesus Christ? And what Jesus is saying, in terms of eternal significance, the blind man's gonna die and he ain't gonna see anymore. And the storm, is there's another storm coming, okay? All these miracles are temporal, but what you are going to do with the gospel is global, and it is eternal, and we all get to be a part of it. Okay, back to the Trinity. If you've been in church very long, you know there's lots of 
illustrations that people attempt to explain the Trinity. You've probably heard some of these. The Trinity is like an egg. One egg, shell, white, yolk. Maybe that's helpful. I'm going to attempt to illustrate what Jesus is saying here. And I'm admitting on the front end, this is a little bit hokey. But I have found that sometimes the hokey ones are the ones that stick with people. Okay? And it comes back to the letter W. <laughs> I warned you at the beginning. Okay, back to the letter W. So what is a W? A W is two U's united together in one. That's why it's called a double U. I just enlightened some of, some of you right there. You've never thought about that, okay? A double U. It is two U's in, in one. Now, you can stack the U's, and technically you still have a double U. There's two U's here, but you only see one U. But there's actually two U's. And part of the reason you only see one U is that these two U's are exactly the same. But a W is not them stacked. A W is these two U's in unity and yet distinct. Okay? This is a U. This is a W. In fact, you could say this about these two U's. They're so much the same. If you've seen one, you've seen the other. They are exactly the same. A W is not two U's stacked, but again, two U's that are united, yet they are distinct. If you separate them, you no longer have a W. You have two U's. But if you combine them, if you unite, unite them, they must be together in this way, but they must be distinct. Not this, but this. So if you want to understand world religions, one way is to do it this way. This is Judaism. This is Christianity. Okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. For God sent his Son into the world to save the world, two, okay? Now some of you, smarty pants, are going, now wait a second. There are three members of the Godhead. <laughs> and this is where this is a terrible illustration. <laughs> and that is why at Hobby Lobby, I bought a third <laughs> you. Because if you wanna understand what Christian doctrine is, it is, it is essentially, it is, it is that right there, okay? They all share the same nature. They are all in unity, but they have to be distinct because they are each an individual person, okay? So you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son, in some senses you've seen the Spirit as well. But we baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Three in one. A unity in plurality. Which leads to my final W. Wow. 
And do you notice that there's two W's in wow? I'm just piling it on here. I hope that you get this. Because the Trinity blows our minds. It blows our minds. In fact, if you think you understand it, you're probably a heretic. If it blows your mind, you're likely a Christian. Or to say it this way, as one commentator, we must always remember that God is bigger than our formulations, and we will never pour the ocean of God's truth into the teacups of our minds or completely encapsulate truth in our neat little formulations about God. He's bigger than we even realize. He blows our minds. Which leads me now to the question that I got last week. And the question was, do you have to believe in the Trinity to be a Christian? And my answer to that would be yes and kind of no. And let me explain what I mean by that. When I became a Christian, I was around six years old as a boy. How deep was my Trinitarian theology at that point? Not very deep. I kind of understood that God sent Jesus, sort of a John 3.16 basic understanding. And I trusted and believed. I look back to that as the time where I passed from death to life, where I was regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That's when I was saved. Not much of a Trinity, but at least the little I had, I had it right. You can just have a little bit of Trinity, and you can have it right. And in that way, I say, kind of no. But at the same time, if you come to a reasoned understanding of the claims of Christianity and the teachings like this one before us today, and you look at that and you say, I do not believe in the Trinity, or you collapse the Trinity into a modalism, a oneness, the Father is Jesus and Jesus is Jesus and the Spirit is Jesus, or some other form of non-Trinitarian doctrine, then I would say that by changing the Trinity, you've changed the gospel into a gospel that doesn't save anymore. And so in that way, I would say, yes, you must believe in the Trinity. Now I leave the final decision to who God saves up to God, but there is no better gospel than to believe that God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to die for sinners who believe and trust in him and the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates and applies the saving benefits of Jesus' work on the cross to all who trust and believe in him. That's the best and the right gospel. Not a W, a triple U. So wow, 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 wow. Amen. A reminder that the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross is the cornerstone of the gospel the good news that transforms lives. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the conclusion of a message called See Jesus, See the Father. If you tuned in late today and missed the first part of this message, you can replay it online at thejourney.fm. Well, just a few moments ago, Pastor Steve reminded us of just a few of the benefits of knowing and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But those benefits are only available to those who trust and believe in Him. And that's why every day on The Journey, we share the gospel with listeners worldwide via the radio and the internet so that men and women around the world can have the opportunity to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And when you make a generous gift of any amount to this ministry, you'll help us reach even more people through this Bible teaching program. So would you give today? 
You can do so by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And when you give, we'll say thanks by sending you a book called Decision Making and the Will of God, a biblical alternative to the traditional view. In this book, author Gary Friesen tackles the very practical issues of choosing a mate, picking a career, charitable giving, and so much more. It's a fresh and liberating approach to decision-making and the will of God. And you can request your copy when you give a donation by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Svoboda. Join us tomorrow for a brand new message titled, Meet the Spirit. That's Wednesday on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.